may be seated. <clears throat> Maybe you've experienced this, but if, if you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But fear can control our lives. I remember when I was a young child, I was terrified to go to bed at night. As I would go to bed, I would stay awake, peering into the darkness of the room, imagining seeing faces, thinking the boogeyman was going to come and get me. And it was totally irrational, this fear, because my parents' bedroom was just, just around the corner. The house was locked up tight, and I knew that, but still, irrational as it may have been, fear gripped me, and I had no peace in the night hour. Well, you'll be pleased to know that I've moved on from that fear. Uh, now I fear not sleeping as I'm getting older, waking up at 2 in the morning and not being able to go back to sleep. But as adults, don't we still struggle with fear? It's not just for childhood periods in our lives. And don't we know that, that fear can control our lives, can be debilitating, especially as we consider living the Christian life? And my, my childhood experience reminded me of the nature of fear. Fear may do many things, but one thing it does chiefly is that it destroys peace. When fear grips us, peace leaves us, and our faith in God and His promises falter. God has provided a means. God has provided armor for his people that they would not fear. But in the midst of fearful situations, in the midst of a battle that is raging, they have peace. And that's what we want to talk about today. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 10. And as we're kind of building or equipping this armor on our soldier, today we'll be looking at verse 15 specifically, but I want to give the context by beginning with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Let us pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, do your good work in our hearts today that we might be encouraged with this particular part of the armament that you have given to us. Show us that we are armed to be at peace though the battle rages. And we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And so today we'll be talking about the shoes and really maybe even a better translation would be uh, sandals. I thought of wearing my Birkenstocks today, but I'd saved you that. And then we'll be looking at the actual, the, the description or identity of these shoes as the gospel of peace. And then thirdly, the putting on of readiness. So we'll just follow the, the verse it, itself. And so we're told then that a soldier has shoes that are fit for battle. The historian of the late first uh, century, Josephus, wrote about the success of Alexander the Great's armies and then later Julius Caesar's armies. And in his great work, Antiquity, he notes that one of the reasons these armies were so successful in surprising their enemy was due to their footwear. And so, for example, the Roman soldier that we might have encountered in the first century that Paul has in mind as he is sharing with us about this spiritual armament wore sandals, leather sandals that could be securely fastened around the foot. These sandals had very, very thick soles and actually had cleats embedded in the sole, nails or knobs, so that he could be sure-footed, have good traction wherever the battle might take him. And this promoted in this soldier a sense of confidence and boldness and fearlessness in the battle because he was sure-footed because of these particular shoes. Well, let's think for just a moment about the terrain of battle. Think of an army and where armies fight. They fight in hills where there are rocks. They fight in valleys and in the sand. They fight on dry and parched ground. They fight on wet and muddy and snowy and icy ground. Just think of the, the many terrains that are represented around this globe where armies have fought throughout the history of mankind. And what gives a soldier confidence in the battle is sure-footedness due to the sandals or the footwear on, in which he is equipped. Well, I want to talk about another terrain. What about the terrain of the spiritual battle? Have you ever thought of that? Where is the fight and where might God take us in this fight? Where might the spiritual battle range and what might be the terrain that we need good shoes that make us sure-footed and confident and bold and fearless? The terrain of suffering the terrain of persecution, the terrain of darkness as, as the darkness from the outside tries to come in, the darkness from within our own hearts that can be so difficult. The terrain of being alone when no one is looking and knowing how we should live and struggling to live as God has called us to live. It's interesting, the terrain of being in a crowd, maybe a crowd where you're like-minded trying to accomplish, trying to walk righteously and opposing a moral ill. 
Think of the terrain of being in a crowd where the crowd is trying to lead you into sin and standing your ground there. Think of the terrain of failure, of loss, of plenty, of want, of joy, or sadness. Do you get the picture? We're in a battle and there are many and very different terrains. And we need to be confident. We need to be sure-footed as we wage war in the spiritual battle. So the footwear is essential. And I'll just give you one example from Scripture. The Apostle Paul experienced the terrain of persecution. As he stood sure-footed and confident while being persecuted. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's a man who is sure-footed and confident, not in himself, not in his own ability, not in his own strength and power, but in the strength and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he stands confidently, sure-footed, even under great adversity. There are many different types of terrain. Armies have fought on all sorts of terrains throughout the history of mankind. And shoes of readiness are essential. And the spiritual battle is no different. Different types of terrain for the spiritual soldier. And the shoes that God has provided are essential. So let me ask you this question. God has provided shoes. Have you put them on? Are you ready to march irrespective of the terrain? Are you prepared to do battle and to be confident wherever the battle may take you? These shoes of readiness are essential in the battle. When fear grips us, peace leaves us, and our faith in God and His promises falter. We need to be sure-footed in the battle. And then the Apostle Paul identifies these shoes as the gospel of peace. Mahatma Gandhi said, and he was a civil rights leader in India, he said, the enemy is fear. We think it is hate, but it is fear. Well, Gandhi was not talking about the spiritual battle. I really don't know what he was talking about. But we, but we can in some way see how this applies to the spiritual battle. In the spiritual battle, we have an enemy, right? And in the spiritual battle, the enemy uses fear as his tactic. Now, we know the enemy is Satan. And the enemy uses fear to destroy our peace, to shake our faith, to cause us to doubt, to work such that we would not be confident, bold, and fearless, rooted and founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that we would falter. The enemy promotes fear to destroy peace. Paul says in Romans chapter 16 and verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. 
And the reason I mention this, this verse is because it's very reminiscent of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, where there we learn that as a consequence of the fall, that enmity now exists between the, the serpent or Satan and Christ, that there is this warfare that is raging in the heavenlies but has very real implications in our daily lives today as we are in a spiritual battle. And this, this enmity, however, will not last forever that that ultimately Satan will, his head will be crushed, that Jesus will win the victory over Satan. And I think the Apostle Paul is just simply reflecting upon that, that reality. But notice what he says, the God of peace will destroy Satan. And I think that implies that God promotes peace and Satan seeks to destroy it. So Satan's goal in the battle is for us not to have peace. And he uses Fear to cause us to lack peace and to doubt God. And I think we see this in another passage. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, where the Apostle John says to the church in Smyrna, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And so the tactic of Satan is to attempt to destroy peace in the lives of God's people by promoting fear in their hearts and minds. And the Apostle John, in the inspiration of Scripture, knew this, and so he encourages those believers there at the church in Smyrna to be faithful. Why? Because Fear drives us to doubt and destroys our peace. So the enemy of God's people is not fear, as Gandhi said, but the enemy of God's people, Satan, uses fear to destroy peace. But he will not succeed. And one reason he will not succeed is because of what we're studying here today. That God in his goodness and in his providence has, has equipped us with a piece of armor that is all about not fearing, but having peace and being confident and bold and fearless though the battle rages. And so the shoes, the footwear for the Christian warrior is not sandals with cleats. It is being ready, the readiness of the gospel of peace. So what does this gospel of peace mean? Here's what it means. The Christian warrior with his or her feet shod <laughs> with the gospel of peace stands boldly confidently, fearlessly, by knowing and believing the gospel message, knowing and believing the person and work of Jesus Christ as he is revealed in the scriptures, knowing the gospel. That's what makes us confident. That's what gives us peace. And the gospel might be understood, really, I'll just simply simplify it in two ways. 
knowing that by the atoning work of Christ, I do not fear. Through faith, I am justified, pardoned from the guilt of sin, clothed in the imputed righteousness of Christ. I am no longer an enemy of God. That between me and God is juxtaposed the cross of Jesus Christ. And the scripture says this, Christ is our peace. And there is peace. We stand in the battle knowing and believing that we are at peace with God. And nothing can destroy ultimately that peace we have with God. Why? Because the cross... Jesus is our peace. Listen to this wonderful scripture that I think is just bathed in peace with God. Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We're not enemies of God. Through Christ, we're sons and daughters. Doesn't that give you confidence in the battle? It gives me confidence. That makes me bold. That makes me fearless. And then secondly, just as we look at the gospel, many, many things we could say here, but I'll just name these two. By the atoning work of Christ, they'll, they'll, they'll get this. Because <laughs> we've, we've been talking a lot about do not fear, but by the atoning work of Christ, I know who to fear. And, uh, you know, God will care for me in life and in death. I have the promise of eternal life. I know who is in charge of my soul, and it is God, I have eternal security, and I know that I have no need whatsoever to, feel Satan, to fear Satan or man because of what Jesus says in Matthew 10. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Fear not man, fear not Satan, fear not the battle. Fear God by reverencing him and trusting him and resting in him. In light of what Jesus says in John 10, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You, you, you see, the one that we are to fear is the one who loves us with an eternal and everlasting love who is working completely for our good. Does that not give you boldness and confidence and fearlessness in the battle to know that this God who I fear is so working that I fear nothing else, including Satan?
Readiness of the gospel of peace is essential. Four, when fear grips us, peace leaves us, and our faith in God and his promises falter. We are to be ready by having put on these shoes. I attended college in the mountains of North Carolina, Appalachian State University, the true ASU, not Arkansas State. And there was a certain hiking boot that was very, very uh, popular during my, my college years, and it was made by the company Vask. Anybody have Vask hiking boots? I have a new pair, by the way. I still have my old pair from college. I thought about bringing them, but chose not to for your good. They were all leather, thick-soled, um, very sturdy. They, by today's standards, they weighed a ton. And yet, when I put those boots on, I felt like I could go anywhere and everywhere. Up there in the mountains of North Carolina, if it was raining, I was, I was confident with those boots on. If it was snowy and icy, I was confident with those boots on. I was confident walking on the sidewalk to class with those boots on. They were the right shoe, the right boot, and it was key to my confidence if it was hiking or just simply tooling around. And I wore them all the time. God has provided the right shoe for you and me. It's not a vast hiking boot, but it's a shoe that's fit for the spiritual battle so that we will be sure-footed, confident, bold, fearless. And notice when we are to wear these shoes, these boots, these sandals, having put on in other words, continually. We're always to have them. We're to sleep in our boots. Continually, we are to have our feet shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace, ready to jump up and to go sure-footed into battle. This confidence that only comes from the gospel gospel of peace. This continual state of readiness with our feet shod with the gospel is essential. It is essential to be ready all the time because when fear grips us, peace leaves us, and our faith in God and his promises falter. And as we think about this, this particular article of armor, and as we think about being in the very heat of the spiritual battle, where, where the battle is really raging, if we are faithful in shotting our feet with the gospel of peace, the readiness of the gospel of peace, then we will be able to rest and experience these promises. Are you ready for them? Fear not. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 26.3 and 4. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your mind in Christ Jesus. Wow. These promises we experience by having put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. Well, what does being shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace actually look like? And you, you may have heard of this. There was a contest at some point where the, the goal was to paint, for artists to paint a painting that would best depict peace. And so there are many, many people, that artists that entered this contest and many, many paintings that were beautifully done and, and depicted peace in terms of pastoral scenes, in terms of tranquility, in terms of all sorts of, of, of wonderful images that, that we would, would think of. But, but the winner of this contest, the, the painting, was entitled Peace in the Midst of the Storm. And this painting depicted dark clouds, lightning. It depicted jagged rocks over which a waterfall with just torrents of water pouring down, crashing in the raging waters below. At first look at this painting, you would think anything but a peaceful picture. But if you look closely at the painting, just above the raging water, just behind this, the torrents of water that that were the waterfall, there was an outcropping on the jagged rock, and there was a nest with a mother bird nesting her young. Peace in the midst of fearful circumstances. Brothers and sisters, that's what being ready With the gospel of peace strapped to your feet, looks like. Whatever the, the storm is in your life, whatever the lightning and thunder is in your life, whatever the jagged rocks and the torrents of water pouring down, crashing upon the raging water, making it even more raging is in your life. God has provided you and he's provided me with shoes fit for that, that we would not fear, that we would be at peace, that we would not doubt his promises, but that we would embrace them. And I want to end this message by reading Psalm 46. And I want you to think about your life as a soldier who was called into battle by God who has equipped you to be at peace while the battle is raging. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, Though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation 
of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and behold the works of the Lord. Know he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Father in heaven, cause us to be one having put on the gospel of peace. Stands sure-footed, confident, bold, and fearless because of who you are and what you have done and are doing and in light of you are God Almighty. Cause us to be still like that bird sitting in that nest with all of that powerful, terrible, fearful water and lightning and thundering all about and yet still May we be still resting in who you are and your power and your might. We trust you that we will be confident in the battle. In Jesus' name, amen.